0: This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Veterans Day coming up this this next week. We could not think of a better person to share his story and share his passion, fellow conduit. Uh, Ben Peterson is going to share with us this morning. Would you give him a warm welcome today? (laughs) Well, my name is uh, Ben Peterson, and uh, I hail from the communist state of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey, got some Minnesotans. All right. Vikings are on at noon. My wife's recording it. Yeah. Got anybody else from some communist states? Any other refugees? Yeah. We're in it together. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, it's, it's my honor to be with you guys today. Uh, I'm going to ask them to pull up the obligatory family photo. If you don't know who I am, I got to show you my family, you know? Uh, so that's my stunning wife, Rachel, and uh, our beautiful little toddler, uh, uh He is all boy, and we've nicknamed him the Bobcat. <laughs> he wants to get into everything. This was uh, a great photo shoot up until right after this histor- amazing moment Um, the, there there was a slope in the sand and he was standing there and the sand started going out from underneath him and he just started going forward. And we looked over, it was one of those slow motion moments, face planted right in that sand and photo shoot over. So gotta love it. Well, Conduit, I'm so uh, blessed and thankful to be speaking to you today. I'm the CEO and founder of an organization called Engage Your Destiny, uh, where it's our vision for a world without military suicide. And we, um, have been such a, a, we have been so blessed uh, by Conduit as you have sowed into and supported Conduit. Uh, we've been a recipient of the Conduit of your generosity. Um, so I want to thank you personally. And as we are uh, in a very interesting time right now in our country, in the military, we have an epidemic uh, with veterans in the military, with over 44 veterans in, mil- in military a day committing suicide. And right now, per the Pentagon, uh, our active-duty military suicides are up by 25%. And so there's a lot of really interesting data and and, uh, studies that have been done around this over the last 10 years. And uh, to boil it it all down for you, out of Columbia and Harvard University, of all places, uh, they have found that military or veterans who have an active faith life are seven times less likely to commit suicide. So yeah, Jesus is the answer he will always be the answer. And uh, we are eliminating suicide in the military through advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So how do we do that? We um, are building the first evangelism to discipleship model ever on an active duty base right now at Fort Campbell, which is about an hour, hour and a half north of here. And what we do is we train soldiers in emotional intelligence, helping them understand why they are the way they are, how their emotions work, all those kinds of things. And uh, we have found that over 60% of those who join the military have a past of physical or sexual abuse. And so there's a lot of work to be done in helping them become whole before they can even, you know, make a decision to follow Christ. So we do that training and then we basically invite them to stick around and to, uh, to hear more about our faith. And right now, as of today, we have trained 1,859 soldiers in emotional intelligence. This year, 1,219 have stayed to hear about our faith. And 625 soldiers, which is 55.2%, have made a next-step decision to follow Jesus. Now, this is where we lead them from that Great moment into Bible studies, into discipleship and equipping nights. Um, And we are very passionate about not only evangelism, but about discipleship. And this is extremely important because right now, 4% of the Gen Z generation uh, has a biblical worldview. And so that means of the 1.4 million uh, military, roughly 4% of them would agree with what you believe. That's a problem. Okay. Hu means ho. <laughs> I'll watch that. I mean, I used to, I speak to soldiers about 10 times a week. So I'll, I got to re- replace that with amen. <laughs> so I'm going to show you a little video here. It's just 60 seconds. These are soldiers that have been led to Christ, Gen Z's that are now being actively uh, discipled in Engage Your Destiny. I've been coming to Engage ever since I got to Fort Campbell. Real welcoming experience. You learn a lot about the word. You learn a lot about people and their testimonies, their stories. It's like a family. I'm loving it. I'm learning about the word of God. It's been awesome. It's a great place to be with your family. It's been a very good community for myself personally, especially when he's not around. I felt like I was going to lose my faith, but as I got here, my faith has gotten so much stronger. I got to connect with other military personnel. And it's making me want to come back weekly to get closer to God. A year ago, I lost my faith with God, and I finally back on the right track and on the right road with God. I loved it. We had a family style tonight, got some small groups going. I love the discussion. I love the, the preaching of the word here. I just realized that all these battles that I'm fighting by myself, like, I can't do it alone. Amen. I live, breathe, sweat, and bleed for soldiers because I am one. And that's why Conduit, God's put it on my heart to train you today to become a soldier for Jesus Christ. Our main scripture that we're going to look at today is from Isaiah 61. And the main reason this scripture is so powerful, not only that it comes from the word of God, but this was the foundational scripture that Jesus quoted the first time that he spoke in a synagogue. And he stood before his people, and this was laying the foundation of the ministry that he was about to build. And he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted, and to proclaim that the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Jesus is saying, in this pivotal moment, laying the foundation for everything he's about to do to change the world, that my mission is to set captives free. In warfare, there is nothing more terrifying or horrific than to be taken captive, to be a prisoner of war. When Hitler began invading countries for the purpose of world domination, it emboldened other countries to begin to do the same. On December 7th, 1941, a day that will live in infamy, Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan. The move to attack Pearl Harbor was really a power move by Japan to take more ground as they were not looking to take over the world. They just wanted to expand their kingdom by a few islands. And in 1942, they attacked the Philippines. The main attack on the island of Corregidor was a two-day shock and awe battle that left the Americans and the Filipinos to surrender. 75,000 of those soldiers surrendered from that battle, and they were taken captive. No one could possibly imagine the horror that was about to come. You see, the Japanese had to get all of these soldiers as they wanted to take them back to Japan as prisoners of war to work in their prison camps. They had to get them to the other side of the island where they could load them onto ships and transport them. And so they decided for the 65 mile journey, which would take 14 days, that they would march them day and night with no food, no water, and no rest. If you stop to rest, you would be shot. If you tried to drink water, you would be bayoneted. If you couldn't go on, you would be killed or left for dead. On and on they marched, 65 miles without stopping. Some of the soldiers went mad with thirst, sprinting towards nearby streams or ponds in desperation just for a sip of water. The Japanese determined if you got water or not. Sometimes they would give it and sometimes there was none. So many soldiers had to resort to try to sneak water out of uh, puddles of mud that were along the path, or to try and sneak water from nearby streams, under the threat of being killed. After 14 grueling days of torture and all, 17,000 soldiers were dead. They were lit, they were then loaded into the hulls of what were called hell ships. Now, these were large transport ships which offered no reprieve from the march and the battle that they had just endured. They were all loaded one by one into the crammed, tightly, hardly lit cargo holds that had very little ventilation, very little food or water for the journey that would last several weeks. Many died to asphyxia, starvation, and dysentery, and some POWs became delirious and unresponsive in, their heat, in the heat, humidity, and lack of oxygen. Once reaching the island of Japan, they were unloaded, sent to prisoner of war camps where they worked 16 hours a day, 365 days a year for four years. When they were discovered, as the war ended, many of them weighed about 85 pounds. The story is very personal to me because I grew up in a family where the greatest thing you could do with your life is to serve this nation in combat. And when I was a teenager, my dad helped veterans find freedom and peace by helping them tell their stories. And he came along one um, baton death march survivor. And my dad worked with him once a week, every week for two years to help him tell his story and get all of this horror out. And so I grew up watching soldiers get set free from what they'd gone through. And I remember Alf Larson, he was the man that went through all of this He said the greatest day of his life was not when his kids were born, when he was married, building a business, living a great life. The greatest day of his life was when an American soldier showed up at that camp and said, brother, you're free. I'm taking you home. What type of people go and fight for the lost, fight for those who are captive? Soldiers. It takes a soldier to set captives free, and the scripture makes it clear. You see, we have to realize today, friends, that we are not in a war that we can see. There's battle going on in Israel, there's battle going on in Ukraine, there's insanity going on in our country, but what we witness with our eyes is not the war that is taking place. And scripture shows us in Isaiah 6, I, I, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with the strength that comes through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious. Say victorious. Victorious. Say victorious. victorious. All right. With the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Listen now. Tune in. Your hand-to-hand combat. Say hand-to-hand combat. combat. Now we're getting it, friends. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. They are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Church, we are soldiers. And this world has been taken captive. And it is our duty to be about our father's business of setting people free. So the question is, how do we wage war in the spirit for the souls of men because it takes a soldier to set captives free? Number one, we have to believe. We have to believe that we are a soldier and that that's who we are in Christ. On July 4th, 1976, a plane was taking off from Tel Aviv to Paris carrying Israelis and Jews. It was taken hostage, taken captive by Palestinian terrorists, where it was then rerouted to Entebbe, Uganda, under the covering of the dictator Idi Amin. And those terrorists were making a demand of the Israeli government saying, you have Palestinian terrorists that are our brother's, and we're going to hold your people hostage and execute them until you set those terrorists free. And Israel looked at that, and they said, I don't think so. And they got 100 commando soldiers ready, trained them up, came up with a plan, and in seven days, they went, killed all those terrorists, and set their people free. It took soldiers to do that. On November 4th, 1979, just three years later, a hostage crisis took place between the United States and Iran. 52 American diplomats and citizens were held hostage after a group of militarized Iranian college students took over the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. Those hostages were held captive, just like the Israelis were. But America instead of learning from the Israelis did and using combat, using soldiers to handle the situation, they used diplomacy. They used politics. They negotiated with the terrorists. For 444 days, those Americans were held as prisoners, as captives, as hostages. Before they were released. Diplomacy didn't work, politics didn't work, negotiations didn't work, and these people were held hostage because they didn't send in soldiers. To be a soldier, you have to believe that you are a soldier, because only a soldier can set captives free, and belief is faith. Say faith. Faith Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You want to talk about the unseen realm and how you make a difference in the world, we have to use faith to bring it into existence, amen? Anything not done in faith, say faith, Faith. is sin. It's not just looking at porn. It's not just uh, lying. It's not just stealing. It's not just pride. It's not just idolatry. It's not just self loathing. Anything not done in faith, say faith, faith, is sin. And that is a scripture that we need to get written into our hearts today, that we have to believe that we are soldiers, that the world is being held captive, and that us going and making an impact on this generation in the way that God has called us to is faith. Therefore, we are set free from sin. Amen. Welcome to church. We having fun? I'm having a great time. Number two, we have to train as a soldier. Say train. Let me ask you a question. Would any of you go into a combat zone without a gun? Negative. That's a soldier right there. Marine? Marine, okay. We're going to get along? Yeah, roger that. You would never go into combat without a gun. You would never go into combat without your helmet, without your protective body armor, without ammunition. And Paul is calling us right here so abundantly clearly, Ephesians six thirteen to 18, because of all of this. You must wear all the armor that God has provided so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined, say destined. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious, say victorious. So put on truth as a belt to strengthen you and stand in triumph. Put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet. And you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace in every battle. Take your faith as a wraparound shield for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows of the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thought from lies and take the mighty razor sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. These are the tools that we have to train with If we're going to set captives free, guys, are you seeing some of these scriptures for the first time? No? Thank you. (laughs) You've read them before, but now we're going to take them to the next level, all right? When it comes to the belt of truth in the Roman armor, all right, the belt literally held their armor together, okay? They didn't have pants with seams like we had. If they didn't have a belt, their their pants would fall down. Y'all tracking? The belt also had protective armor on it to protect the family jewels. Kind of important, right? Right? So when Paul is saying the belt of truth, he's talking about something really important. Amen? Men, can we say amen? Amen. Wives, can we say amen? amen? Bless the Lord. He's saying put on holiness, this protective armor that covers your heart, because out of your heart flows the wellsprings of life. Paul is saying come into a holy life, live a life of holiness, but also receive Jesus, which is your exact identity of being righteous in Christ. And by having that protective armor, you are going to live a righteous life and you're going to guard your heart where the power of your life comes through. Stand on your feet. He's saying, get on your feet and put on the gospel of peace so we can take the gospel into a dying world. We have faith as a wraparound shield. It's the shield of faith. Let me tell you about it. The shield of faith was used to lock armor with the other men so that they could advance into battle. It was an advancing weapon. Faith is an an advancing weapon that we have. It's saying it will extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those fiery darts, let me tell you about fiery arrows. Extremely inaccurate and extremely ineffective if you're trying to hit someone with it. You know what they used them for? To burn things down. The lies of the enemy that attack your faith want to burn down your life. They can't pierce your heart. But if you allow them and you don't use your faith, they will burn down your life and your destiny the power of salvation. Salvation means wholeness, wholeness in our mind because we have the mind of Christ and using the mighty sharp sword of the spirit, the work, the word of God. Now, some of you may be saying, Ben, I never served in the military. Some of you are saying, I've never been through any of that kind of training. I can't relate on all of these things. Now, I'm gonna tell you that you don't have to go through the military. You don't have to train on all of these things to understand what I'm saying. Because I've been to these places and I've done these things, but I also have one thing that is a greater challenge than all of them. I have a toddler. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) The circumstances of your life are more than enough to test and push you. Amen? But it doesn't change what God is calling us to in his word and the lifestyle of being a man or a woman of God. When we went into combat, we would have pre-combat briefs where we would talk about ambush points, choke points, exactly what the enemy was doing, what he was up to. And in that pre-combat brief, we would be looking out for what the enemy is up to. The enemy of your souls, Satan, is the father of all lies. He wants to lie to you. And the two greatest lies, say two lies. The two lies that is every root that he's going to assault you with is I am not good enough and I am not lovable. He is on a mission every day to deny who you are in Christ And that the love he has for you is not enough for your life. Trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Number three, we have to fight like a soldier. Say fight. Fight. Say fight. fight. We have to fight like a soldier. I have to ask you today, friends, what are you fighting for? What are you fighting for and are you fighting? Are you in the fight? for the souls of men. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to run a ministry, but are you in the fight for the dying world? Because we're all fighting for something, either for ourselves or someone. Most of us are fighting for our own lives and our selfishness. The language to Paul, from Paul to Timothy is very specific. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life that you are called, and about which you made good confession of the presence of many witnesses. You see, fighting in faith works in two ways. When you fight for something, when you fight for someone, when you are fighting, you are fighting for their freedom. You are fighting to set them free. But what happens as a byproduct, when you are fighting for someone's freedom, you get freedom too. In 1776, everybody fought. And when they were fighting for freedom from oppression from the British government, they were fighting for freedom and they got freedom for their people, but they got it for themselves too. And that's why God is calling us to fight the good fight of faith to set people free because it's gonna set us free at the same time. Amen? Amen? Amen. Paul is writing these words to Timothy who was never a soldier. He didn't serve. But he's writing these words. And in 97 AD, the 80-year-old evangelist tried to halt a a procession in honor of the goddess Diana. He halted it by preaching the gospel. The angry pagans beat him, dragged him through the streets, and stoned him to death at 80 years old. Timothy lived a conviction of exactly what God was calling him to do and when. You see, we have to have this awareness when we fight. When we were on convoys the lead gunner who would be at the top of the Humvee always had the most acute and best eyesight. And they would memorize every single inch of every stretch of every road. And they could tell you when a piece of garbage was out of place. They could tell you when there was new garbage, new bags of garbage. They knew every detail because that meant there could be an IED to blow us up. Y'all tracking? They had an awareness of their surroundings and what the enemy was doing. Right now in America today, we have the least mental capacity that any human has ever had. Every one of you will take in more information today than someone did 100 years ago in their entire lifetime. The marketing, the level of detail, the websites, the apps, the scrolling, all of these details is overloading our brains. And what it's doing is it's getting us so overwhelmed and focused on ourselves that we lose the capacity for the lost, for the broken, for those who are hurting, because it takes a soldier to set captives free. And if we aren't living as a soldier, no one's going to get set free. Amen? Amen. So this is where, I, guys, I struggle with this so much. I, I work so hard for my family and my business and, and, and everything going on around me that I'll get out and it's those moments out in public. It's so easy just to be tuned into my phone, tuned into what I need, tuned into what I want to do. But it's in those moments that we're interacting with people who are dying. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or not, God is calling you to tune into him and to look people in the eye. Maybe it's just a look in the eye and say, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to pray for you when I go to my car. Can some introverts do that? That's a Roger, okay? Because the world is dying and we need to get a conviction and begin fighting for them because here's our position today, my friends We are either going to be the warriors that God has called us to be, or we're going to live a life of comfort and denial. 2 Timothy 2 3 says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. As a social experiment by the Germans, 5,000 Czechoslovakian Jews, when they arrived at Auschwitz, were put in a special compound. They were given nice clothes, good food, and clean living conditions. But they were still held as prisoners. They could see every day thousands of Jews coming in on rail cars and being led off to the gas chambers, never to be seen again. They could see the Nazis with guns keeping them in. They could see the Constantina wire and the barbed wire not letting them out. They could see all of it. And it got to the point where prisoners, who were like skeletons starving, would say to them, they're going to kill you. Fight back. You're strong. They're feeding you well. You're going to die. But they denied all of it. You see, denial was easier than believing that they had to fight. One day, they were led away to the gas chambers, and they went willingly They had spent five months smelling the smoke of burned Jews, seeing the ash and their beloved people disappear. But how? How could these kind SS men, who know my names, how could they do that to us? Surely, there's some other reason that they're taking us to these chambers. And they went in. It was only when they entered the chambers that they realized what was going to happen, and they began to fight. But it was too late. They were shot with machine guns. The doors were sealed, and they were gassed to death. They just wanted to live each day the best they could. And denial was more easier than comfort. It was, denial was more comfortable than the reality. Nine million Jews walked the earth in 1933 and six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. Two of every three Jews were wiped out. And the only thing that stopped the entire generation of God's people from being murdered was soldiers, soldiers, soldiers who fought the access of evil, because it takes a soldier to set captives free. Now, the question for you today is, do you want to live your life as a Czechoslovakian Jew who wants to live in comfort and denial of the death and the people that are suffering and dying all around us? Or are you going to live like soldiers with a mission, with a passion for the people that are dying, that you have the light of God in you, and it's up to you to set them free? Amen? Jesus began his ministry with Isaiah 61. And he called himself in that moment to set captives free. And the Bible says, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I don't live anymore. It's him living through me. And there is a warrior, a soldier, a fighter living inside of every single one of you. If you call yourself a Christian. Isaiah 42, 13 says, the Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. This is who lives inside of us. We are in a war. Heaven is the good. Hell is the evil. Earth is the battlefield. And the battle for the souls of men is the battlefield. We have this lie that we believe in America that there's those who serve and there's those who don't. There's people who join the military and they go and they do their thing and they keep us all safe and we thank them and we shake their hand, but they're the ones who fight. In Israel, in God's land, everyone serves. We have to wake up today, church. It's time to start serving. I'm calling us today to step into the place as soldiers for Christ, not out of guilt or condemnation, but out of a passion for the world that is dying. Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. You see, I believe there's three kinds of people in this room. The first is you're here and you're comfortable. You are living for yourself. Life is all about you. And this message is convicting you good. It's time today to live a life of destiny. Amen. Bigger than you. Number two, you are sold out for Christ. You're living this message and God is here to encourage you, to speak to you and to put more fire on your flame. Amen. The third person that I believe is in this room is you're here and you are barely hanging on. There's challenges going on in your life. You hear what I'm saying. It's touching your heart, but you go, man, I, I'm just trying to get through today. A month ago, I was at the doctor and I had come down with shingles. My whole core was in chronic pain. My back, my spine ached. And, and they told me I had shingles. And I said, shingles, isn't that something, you know, older people get? Sorry, but you've seen the commercials, right? And, and they said, well, if someone's in their 30s and they get shingles, they're under extreme stress. Wow. To give you a picture, my wife and I met three and a half years ago and we were married three years and two months ago. Five months later, we were pregnant. Didn't plan that one. And the lease on our condo was ending. We felt God calling us here to Tennessee. So I packed up my pregnant wife, our new puppy, which we are gluttons for punishment. We put all our things in storage and we came here to Tennessee to live for some we lived with some friends and, and search for a house. By God's grace, we found a house and we moved in. At that time, my organization was executing the largest Jesus-centered outreach to veterans in American history. 35,000 were in attendance we executed on that event and I found myself burned out at the end of myself. And God began to speak to me that he wanted to reorganize my organization to then go back onto active duty basis. So I found myself in an organizational rebuild, completely starting over a new dad, a new husband in a new town with no support, no family and no energy to start building community. Our son needed to have three different tongue tie procedures Because his sleep was so bad and interrupted by the palate or however the tongue thing works. Hadn't slept through the night in two years. The ministry began growing. I was speaking 10 times a week. And speaking to soldiers, y'all can be like raising the dead. So when he asked me if I was stressed out, I said, Yeah, I'm a little stressed. And that's where I'm here to say to you I'm not bulletproof. And I'm not Superman. And I'm not calling you to be either. I'm calling you to live a life of conviction. That the world is dying and you have the light of God inside of you. And to approach your day with, Lord, how can I serve you today as the commander who enlisted me for service? And how can I train with the weapons that God has given me So that I can leave a legacy and live a life of purpose greater than just serving myself. I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet as I close here. About two months ago, I was reading the word, and in Psalms it says, I will surround him with favor as like a shield. And I read that, and it was in my heart, and I texted it to my wife, who I call my better 90. Some of you husbands who say better half, you need to Annie up a little bit. And I texted her that, and I said, babe, isn't this amazing, like how, you know, favor can literally be a shield? And she said, I I think we need to send this out to our soldiers. And we've got a text platform that we communicate with our soldiers who are all over the world, and we sent it out. And we got a message back the next day, and it was a soldier that we led to Christ back in February— led him to Jesus, and in three days, he was on a plane to Syria. He did not have 20 minutes to get away where I could baptize him. He went to Syria, and they were clearing rooms, and he sent us this text, and he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I was leaving one of the rooms we were clearing. I was the last man out, and an IED went off, and I was blown up. I got thrown across the street onto the other side, When I came to, I heard the audible voice of God say to me, son, I'm not done with you yet. He had no concussion, no bumps, no bruises. He was completely shielded. I tell you that story for two reasons. One is not to look at me or my ministry or anything like that, but to point you to Christ and as an inspiration because the word of the lamb and the word of our testimony is how we defeat Satan. That is a testimony of what God is doing in the earth right now and his power and how he works through people who claim his word and believe on him for who he is. And so church, there's an anointing in this room today and I declared and I prophesied in Jesus name. I just want you guys to open your hands and, and, and count. just get with Jesus and whatever way you need to close your eyes, look up, look down, whatever you need to do. Father, Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit be in this room today. Father, I believe that selfishness and self-loathing and apathy is healing in Jesus' name. That every single disappointment and every single point of rejection, those of you who have your trust broken, you've had business relationships that have broken your trust and have betrayed you, and that has put you in a position of focusing on just taking care of yourself, God is healing that rejection. He is healing that betrayal. He is bringing forgiveness and healing by the power of the Holy Spirit right now and he is bringing you into a place where you can deny yourself through the healing blood of Christ, and you can say, Lord, I'm ready for a mission. And so, Father, I declare and I prophesy missions in this room. I declare and I prophesy dreams and visions to come into people's hearts for exactly what you are calling them to do. God, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see in this place what the Holy Spirit is doing and what the power of God wants in this earth. Father, I pray for marriages in this room. I pray for selfishness in marriages. I'm going to tell you all right now, if you're having a problem in your marriage, one of you does not want to die. If you're having a problem in your marriage right now, one of you does not want to get close to Jesus. The key to marriage and strength is two people deciding I'm going to die and I'm going to lay down my life for Christ. And so this is a word for someone. You are in your marriage and you're going through a lot of pain and either you or your partner needs to die to themselves and get after Jesus to refine you and to give yourself fully to Jesus. Amen? So Father, I pray for marriages and I thank you, Lord, for healing and restoration, for forgiveness from extreme hurts that you would, some of you, you, you have such extreme hurt against your spouse and God is coming right now and he is saying, Yep, me too. So let me meet you in this moment of how wounded you've been by your spouse because I've been wounded by them too. But I'm going to love them with an unconditional love and that same unconditional love I am putting into you. I'm putting it into you right now, my son. I'm putting it into you right now, my daughter. In the name of Jesus. Father, I speak to the young people in this room who are just realizing for the first time of who they can become and what they can do. And I pray, God, that you would mold and shape their lives for destiny and for impact. And that, God, you would keep them from the wicked things of this world to contaminate their minds and their hearts. Father, we love you. And I just want to close with this. Is there anyone in this room where you know you need to surrender your life to Jesus? Is there anyone in this room where you need to lay your life down and you are hearing what I'm saying, and it's sparking something in your heart, and you feel God calling you. He is knocking on the door of your heart, and He's saying, "Open up your heart, and let Me in, and make Me the Lord of your life." Is there anyone in that room, in this room, that's feeling that sense? And that put your hand up, right there. I see you, sister. Anybody else? God's moving. I see you, brother in the back. I see you, brother. Anybody else? God's moving in your heart, in your life. It's time for surrender to give your life to Christ. I see you, sister. All right, those who just, could you guys just pray this prayer so that we can all pray it together? Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I repent of all my sin. I'm sorry of everything I've done. I believe and I declare that Jesus died for my sins, rose again, and is the son of God. I receive the destiny you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hey, lastly, uh, we're just going to put a QR code up here. If you would like to engage further with our ministry, uh, with our, as we're engaging our military and leading them to Christ, and you want to continue to walk with us, I'd humbly give you the opportunity. You can just scan a QR code with your phone. It's that thing you carry around everywhere with you. It's got a camera on it hold that up. It'll bring up a little URL, put in your information, and we'd love to continue to walk with you and build relationship with you if you want to walk with us. Guys, I love you. I just want to say before we close from the bottom of my heart, it's my honor to speak to you today. Thank you for this opportunity, and I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.